everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine, live from New York City, the greatest city of the world. Would you please welcome to the podcast your hosts, Alexander Holland and your John Maloney. Wait, 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 wait. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Don't Praise the Machine. I am going to say it's episode number 67, and we're going to take you to Big Apple heaven, because for the first time in podcast history, me and John are not sat digitally across from one another, mm. we're sat analogically <laughs> next to one, across from one another by mm. about a metre in a hotel room in yeah. New York City. In the Lower East Side of the Great Island of Manhattan. Wow. At the Artisan Hotel. This is like a real podcast in a hotel room. I've listened to so many podcasts like uh, Adam Buxton. He does a lot of them from hotel rooms. Oh, he does. Yeah, that's true. Um, This is like, it's come real profesh. It has. I don't know where to look. I feel like just looking deep into your eyes. <laughs> you can't. I feel like I need a screen as a buffer that you can look away from. Mm. You could not because normally you just put my window down mm. on yeah on the I, Zoom recorder. If I get on the Zoom it's screen, a real, it's a very nice, very nice security blanket to have the option of just slamming my laptop shut if I got too nervous. And now. Now we have to have a real relationship again <laughs> instead of our much more functional digital relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This works better digitally. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite amazing to me that because I guess the last time I saw you was January 2021 or something like that. And yeah. And then uh, in Adelaide at, a, at our friend's wedding. Yeah, and at then, Andre's wedding. And then we conceived of the podcast soon after that. So this is the very first time that we've even seen each other since talking podcast or doing podcast. Yeah. It's all been digital. And we came here for your brother's wedding. Congratulations Mm. to Tom and Vanessa. Yeah. Congratulations to Tom and Vanessa. They got married on Friday and it was a wonderful occasion. Uh, We can get into that. For what was, interested parties. What was more important is that there were fans of the podcast at the wedding. Mm. So we want to talk about that. We met some real pod brothers it's and true. sisters. It's it was funny. I had we both had several conversations about that. I I shout out to Patrick Koo, who's yeah. a who's a pod Anant. A don't praiser and Anant and Wells. And Wells. Yeah. Um Patrick, I I have known for many years and I uh, he was at the bachelor party, which was last week, and we were just chatting. And he kept kind of uh, it was it was funny because I hadn't caught up with him in years, like probably haven't seen him in I don't know at least five or six years, I would say. And since his since his wedding, I think, yeah. And um, and but he knew all this stuff about me that was kind of fairly up to date. He's like. <laughs> Started talking about some Marvel movie, and then he's like, "Oh, that's right, you fuck, you guys fucking hate that." And then <laughs> it was like, it must be like, you know, when a celebrity meets a fan, and the celeb and the fan knows all this stuff about the celebrity. Like, I loved you in so and so, but yeah. I, then I, then the celebrity has to be like, "And what do you do?" I don't know. I don't know about you. I think somebody. I think it was also also Pat said. I said something. 
about like I was going to go back to Berlin and because I really like eating and I think he finished my sentence and he said lentils and <laughs> dried legumes. <laughs> dried legumes. I was like, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And, and Wells gave us the um, example of The Departed as one of the movies that had a kind of abrupt perspective shift at the right. end. A couple of episodes ago we were talking about movies that had uh, sudden ends and he said that was one where, yeah, the protagonist gets shot at the end and then – no, you know, spoiler alert, but again, you've had the plenty pro- of time to watch it. The protagonist, Leonardo DiCaprio, he gets mm. shot and he gets up from getting shot and he says, I'm going to pretend to be an airline pilot for the, <laughs> yeah, re- for exactly. the rest of my life. And then he flies <laughs> for Pan Am. Where you going, tr- Frankie? He tricks everybody <laughs> and his dad, Christopher Walken. Is it Christopher Walken? Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad Christopher Walken says, where are you going, Frankie? Someplace fantastic, <laughs> someplace exotic. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a departed thread through. It's a departed thread through with, what is that fucking movie called? Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can. Mm. That would be a great thread through. Frank Abagnale. Abagnale. Yeah, Frank Abagnale. Mm. He'd be great for, he's great for thread throughs, Leo. Yeah, he would be actually. You know, you've got Titanic, you've got uh, The Beach. That's my, uh-huh. um, that's uh, that's an old favourite. Um, you've got... It's, do those... Some episodes of Full House. Well, no, it wasn't... <laughs> was it Growing Pains? Oh, really? It was either in Growing Pains or Full House, yeah. And is he... I'm trying to... Because th- one of what's the... What's eating Gilbert's grapes? Yeah, what's eating Gilbert's grapes? Who's eating... That film that who's called, eating who's, Gilbert's who's, grapes? Who's eating, who's eating Gilbert's grapes? <laughs> <laughs> very boring it's a very boring premise yeah for a film very low stakes who done it it's very quick <laughs> hey uh, was, i have some grapes here it was johnny depp <laughs> it's funny being here because actually yeah there's no prizes for guessing who ate those grapes and mm. who's eating gilbert's grapes because there's a big old lady in that <laughs> it's true. There's the classic sort of um, shut in, isn't there? Like she lives yeah. up, she lives upstairs or something. Scarf and grapes. Yeah, she ate so many grapes, just couldn't. Yeah, it's true. Hard to hard to get that way just from grapes, but she managed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny being in Manhattan because it's quite a small area, but you feel as though there must be so many. Like some of the people that we just mentioned probably live here or have houses here. Yeah. And uh, we're probably only a matter of metres away from Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Uh, you just keep saying that the whole, every every go-to. You're just like. Is Alec Baldwin going to be here? Is that Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Over there, your one New York touch point is Alec Baldwin. Whenever I think about Manhattan celebrities, I just think about Alec sort of like. Coming out, you know, under those under one of those little porticos out the front of the fancy apartment buildings, and like yeah. mouthing off at a photographer, scanning <laughs> into a physical altercation <laughs> with a photographer. <laughs> you organised the Bucks party for your brother. I did. Real. New Yorky Bucks. New Yorky Bucks, which was um, kind of a challenging endeavor because I didn't really know what you could do in Manhattan. I was like, 
you know, if it were me, I just would want to go to the top of the Empire State Building, yeah, eat a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> but Tom's probably already done all that. So what am I going to do? <laughs> and we went, yeah, we, we went jet skiing on the Hudson. That was probably a highlight, yeah, which was uh, which was pretty wild. I've still got, as you can see, some little wounds on my hands from like white knuckling the uh, handles of this jet ski, which went about 50 miles an hour um, on uh, on the beautiful heavily polluted waters of Hudson River and um, yeah drove out to the Statue of Liberty it felt very American on because it was on the 4th of July yeah and we're there just like doing one of the most obnoxious <laughs> activities that you can do like literally kind of screaming around under the Statue of Liberty all I needed was like a like a beer hat with a, with like Bud Light coming out of it and a gun. Yeah, exactly. Just shooting shooting a magnum into the air. Holding Whee! a Bible in one hand and a gun <laughs> in the other. Freedom. Freedom. <laughs> and then after the Hudson, you went to the video game arcade? Yeah, we did. That was a little bit DPTM-esque, actually. We went to a place called Barcade, which um, has, which is a bar which has kind of a range of... Um, Pinball and arcade machines. So we got to play, Tom and I got to verse each other in Daytona for the first time in a while. Yeah. And 25 years. Yeah, exactly. And Street Fighter. Um, I played Del Sim for those interested. Uh, <laughs> it was my choice. <laughs> and because you, of your connection to. Yeah, I just, I, th- I think uh, I just relate to, because I've got. Um, a couple of double joints as well. So he's always my go-to. I love his stretchy punches and uh, his kind of zen outlook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always chose him because I like Indian's my favourite food. So yeah. I'd always choose yeah. him. And because he'd do that, he had a special thing he could do because he ate so much vindaloo that he could do fire breath. <laughs> That's what I loved about Dalsim. <laughs> Uh, so we got to play that and then we went on to a cigar bar, classic sort of, you know, bachelor parties are a nice time to engage playfully in some masculine tropes. <laughs> uh, so we did, we all pretended to enjoy cigars. <laughs> Just feeling sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we went to a steakhouse called Gallagher's, which is probably a hundred years old. Very steaks. classic wow. place. Yeah, it was pretty manly. Um, you all got your trousers down and just yeah. measured each other's <laughs> willies. Had a pissing contest. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And then you arrived soon after that. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm staying in the beautiful Bed Stuyvesant. Mm. Shout out to my friend Dom who hooked me up with that particular place, which belongs to his friends Alex and Mia. Who mm. I'm just going to say their names so that Dom tells them that I said that. And yeah. And we get two extra listeners. And that's the trick. <laughs> I always said to you, John, the trick is just to talk about people and then tell them that they're in the podcast. Yeah. And then and they force them to listen to and it. And they just listen to every episode hoping for another shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool. Uh, one thing I always like about New York, this is my second time here they love playing all varieties of music from all over the world out of their cars extremely loudly. Mm. And you don't get that in the same way, uh, certainly not in Berlin. And your parents uh, and Tom were saying that 
it does happen in Melbourne, but it's always just crappy techno that people yeah. are playing. Whereas the place I'm staying, the Brownstone in Bed-Stuyvesant, you're getting like reggaeton. Yeah. The people that love that Latinx vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting reggae yep. from people with maybe a bit of Afro-Caribbean heritage. Yeah. You're getting like salsa. Yeah. You're getting like Puerto Rican vibes. Nice. And then you're getting both extremely modern trap hip hop mm-hmm. but then somebody will just be bumping like classic mm. hip hop as well grandmaster flash grandmaster <laughs> it'll just be grandmaster flash or just over and over again it'll just be uh, rapper's delight by the sugar hill gang <laughs> i couldn't sleep the other night for all of the hip hop the hippie the hippie did the hip hip hop <laughs> you don't stop a rapper to the bang bang boogie a jump the booby to the booby to the booby to be <laughs> It was just that as I was trying to sleep. Yeah. Every every dream that I had, that rapper's delight would just come into the dream. Go, <laughs> oh, no. I'd be flying through the sky in the nude and then the Sugar Hill Gang would appear and start rapping. It's going to be right. Yeah, I love that. I love that the mix of cultures here in the little neighbourhoods and how yeah. people just be thrashing all the, this amazing music and – as a Berlin boy, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice bit of respite from techno music, which mm. is uh, the music that you hear the most bumping out of places around Berlin. So mm. I loved that. Uh, maybe we should maybe we should say that we went to the the Mets baseball game. Yeah, this is the this is the Mets bit of the cast. I've got written on my notes. I've yeah, got talk about Sugar Hill Gang, rappers delight, and then talk about the Mets. So it was Mets and Marlins. Mm-hmm. The Mets are a baseball team for mm-hmm. anyone that don't New York know. Mets by ball. Meet the Mets by ball. Uh, and. Yeah, the Mets and the Yankees, the two New York teams, and we went and saw a Mets game. Uh, they were playing City Field at City Field Stadium. Mm. They were playing the Marlins, mm. Miami Marlins. Is that right? I think, I think. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I liked it. I would say I mostly went for the atmosphere. I wanted to get that nice little uh, bite-sized hot dog. Yeah. I wanted to have a have a big can of beer that a yep. man gave me out of an ice bucket that he was carrying around. Yep. Uh, and that both those things happened. And we heard the national anthem and it was a particularly um it was a particularly poignant occasion for me because as a Seinfeld fan, yeah. probably the only baseball player that I know aside from Babe Ruth, who's been <laughs> dead for many years, is uh Keith Hernandez yes. who played who played himself in the two-parter episode, The Boyfriend of Seinfeld, um, and then went on to become a commentator for many years of baseball and they were retiring his number, number 17, uh, at this very game. So we got to see in the flesh, yeah. albeit, albeit 100 metres away, uh, Keith himself and he gave a little speech and thanked everyone and t- talked about what an honour it was to have his number, his jersey retired, which for the, for anyone who doesn't know, I suppose people understand that, but basically it's an honour that a team bestows on a particular p- 
player by saying nobody else will ever be number 17. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of your – that's always going to be something that's synonymous with Keith Hernandez now. Yeah, number and they, 17. And they put his – they put a number 17 on the wall of the stadium and unveiled it during and the, the ceremony. And the, the guy who was announcing it said – no greater honor can be bestowed upon a player than yeah. for a franchise to retire their number <laughs> and ensure that no player for the rest of time will ever wear that number. <laughs> and everyone went, Woo! <laughs> and then, um, and they were using, there was a bit of like Seinfeld referencing as well. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. They had, um, they had, a, they had a shout out from Jerry Seinfeld. The old screen who, appeared on the big screen. Which is kind of weirdly offhand. He just recorded something in his car. Yeah. And, <laughs> then, and he seemed to have not had anything prepared and not really no, know what to say. It just, he was just kind of improvising. That was all right. And then, but then they had, there's a famous scene in The Boyfriend where um, Kramer and Newman have an anecdote about Keith Hernandez where they claim that he spat on them. Yeah. Because they were passing by him after a uh, after an un- unsuccessful game, and Newman says to him, "Nice game, pretty boy." Yeah. And then they keep walking, and then suddenly they feel they hear some they feel someone spitting on them, and they accuse Keith of having done that. So yeah, there was a few people with Seinfeld placards, and one of the commentators said, "Nice game, pretty boy." Yeah. And uh, yeah, and there was they gave out Keith Hernandez bobbleheads. Yep. Which um. I assume will become very valuable in due course. Yeah, I got a Keith uh, Keith Hernandez bobblehead. Another mm. thing, the the main guy emceeing the event said he said after baseball, Keith managed to turn his hand to commentary and spending time in the box. Yeah, of course he'd be great being a commentator after being a player because he's Keith Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is another little line from Seinfeld. Yeah, but uh. That's his internal dialogue. Isn't yeah, it? that's like he right. Keeps saying to when himself, he's like, "I'm Keith Hernandez." Yeah, when he when he decides to kiss Elaine on the yeah. date, and she says, "Who does this guy think he is?" in her head, and he says, "I'm Keith Hernandez." Yeah, um, yeah. So that was great, and I loved all of the um, kind of interstitial ads that you get at the baseball. Basically, anytime there's a there's an instant of like. The less active play. Yeah, just, the ball is not moving. As yeah. soon as the ball is not in motion, yeah. you're getting some something is being advertised yeah, towards or, you. Or some sound is being blared at you. And they had all these um Yeah, it was kind of a it was a bit surreal. They had all these competitions that were being run by various companies or sponsored by various companies. So audience members would, I don't know, try and like run hundred meters or whatever, and in the in a time that was over a certain, that was under a certain uh, threshold, and then if they won, they would get like a twenty five dollar voucher, or people had to like guess the answer to a couple of trivia questions, yeah. and then they'd get like free Dunkin' Donuts voucher <laughs> for ten dollars, like ten bucks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the cheapest prizes in in history, yeah. And any and every competition was like now it's oh now it's the Delta Airlines quiz mm, mm. and the, then the questions were were like they'd get a couple and they'd like a husband and wife and they'd say well, what what do you think do you think that Barry likes an aisle seat 
Or a window seat. That's <laughs> you know, the lamest yeah. like, quiz ever. Aisle. That's correct. That's correct. We want to say thank you, Delta. <laughs> Don't forget to fly with Delta. You're New York Mets <laughs> flying with Delta. Just that every two seconds. <laughs> Geico Insurance. The yeah. Geico, it was my first time ever seeing the, the Geico, Geico Gecko. Geico Gecko. The, another... Uh, uh, what do you call it? A um, anthropomorphic mm, mascot. Mascot. Yeah, that's true. Which is a, which has deep ties to that sh- to our show. And you also had a big. I bought you a big cup of. We had massive cups of soda. Yeah, we had Cracker Jacks. We did. Just yeah. like a sugar covered popcorn, but famously Car- it's in the the caramel baseball corn. Song. Caramel corn. It's the. Take me out to the ball game. Buy mm. me some peanuts and Cracker, cracker Jacks. Jack. I don't care if I never come back. <laughs> That's a strange line, actually. You pointed out that everyone that you something you don't really see elsewhere, which is very common in New York and probably other big cities in the US, is people just carrying around like like kind of translucent cups of <laughs> yeah. of fluorescent liquid that are about as big as their heads. Yeah, this is like I think it's an American thing. It's it, it always reminds me of seeing paparazzi photographs of celebrities. But everybody in New York and like I assume LA as well, they're always they're always carrying around a, a translucent plastic cup mm. with either iced coffee or some sort of sweetened juice mm. or some fluorescent liquid. And it's almost like a fashion accessory. And everybody walking down the street these huge cups of liquid mm. that I, that and I've bought a couple of them because I was like What's all the fuss about? Yeah, and I was like, these—they're like they're all like ten bucks. These fucking things. You just pay like ten bucks. Yeah, for some cup of sugary water. Yeah, I mean, what is going on? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this. This no. is this is not lentils and chickpeas. <laughs> That's right. This isn't dehydrated. This is like I just spent my entire weekly shopping budget in Berlin on <laughs> on this iced caramel latte from Starbucks. Yeah, and yesterday we were walking around Greenwich Village and we saw. Somebody just come out of the house with one, and it was like, it was like <laughs> late right. late morning, and you think like, how? What did you? Get, where did you get? Where that? did you get that? Do you have like a little, <laughs> a little stall in your house where somebody's selling you big gulps every morning? <laughs> and we walked when we were in Greenwich Village yesterday. We walked past the. This is what. This is the kind of. This is the kind of thing that can happen in New York mm. when you're just trying to enjoy your day, and then mm. you see. A bunch of morons out the front of a <laughs> some sort of landmark that yeah. you don't know what it is. Yeah, everybody's having their photograph taken out, and you having having their photo taken. So we saw a bunch of people gathered around a classic, uh, like terrace house in Greenwich Village. Yeah, a little brownstone house with a walk up and stuff. And you guessed what it was mm. without even having to look at it mm. on the map. Yeah, because I knew that that. Uh, Carrie Bradshaw, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, ha, ha, ha. Uh, in the hit show 
Sex in the City. Despite being a uh, journalist, she was able to live in a pal- <laughs> palatial brownstone. Multi-million dollar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was the house that she was depicted as having in the show, I think. And um, it is actually in real life around the corner from Magnolia Bakery where the, where the awesome foursome of the uh, – of the ah, of the Sex and the City gang, sure. used to used to convene. Can you, can you name them after all? after a night of uh, fucking? They used to <laughs> they used to come and share war stories at the Magnolia Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> There's must have been Carrie there. Must, must have, have been, been Miranda. S- yep, Samantha, Samantha, and Captain Planet. <laughs> and there was also. Uh, Can't remember what their different powers were now. One of the, yeah, one of them was like Earth, one, Wind. <laughs> one of them was promiscuous. Yeah, one of them well, was like Sarah Jessica Parker was a bit more straight laced. Yeah, one of them was like the red headed one, Miranda. Mm. What was her angle? Uh, she was a she was a lawyer. She was like a very ambitious career woman. Yeah, and she ended up getting together with this guy with the almost. Cartoonish yeah, Brooklyn accent. Yeah, that's like, right. Hi, Miranda. Yeah, that's right. It's really hard being in a relationship <laughs> with you. It was like, where'd they get this guy? And then Miranda, and then Samantha was the kind of cougar, uh, that's right. sexually liberated, liberated one. And then um, there was another one whose name I can't remember. What was her name? And she was like the more buttoned down. She was the po- she was the posh one who was yeah. always like looking for a man who was gonna go to the Hamp, take her to the Hamptons. Mm, that's right. You me of that. And then there was Sporty Spice was the fifth <laughs> one, I think. I walked past the bakery. I think it's on Spring Street mm. where the cronut was invented. Mm. Absolute icon of American excess. Yeah, just I. Uh, you know, there's not enough in a croissant and yeah. there's not enough in a donut for you. And you were saying, um, yeah, so they invented the cronut and I walked past the cronut. Did you have one? No, I did not have one. But you were saying that uh, they Americans seem to have replaced bread with croissants. Yeah, one thing that I made brief reference to in the last episode is how um, we went and ordered a donut and then it had like cheese. It was filled with cheese and it had... Napolitana dipping sauce. And that was my first encounter on this trip with kind of weird American food innovations. But then a, about a day after that, I had a uh, ordered an egg sandwich for yeah. brunch. And I thought it was just going to be, you know, sourdough with, with egg in it. Yeah. And it came and it was just like a massive croissant fill, <laughs> filled with like egg and avocado and all this like quite savory stuff in it. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like they've gotten bored with regular bread. They need everything to be... Packed with fat and sugar. So now, and we were just at a cafe before we started recording and they had a variety of, of croissants with uh, with just like pretty standard stuff in them, like bacon and yeah. uh, and lettuce. And you're just like, what are you doing? You don't need a croissant. That's like... <laughs> it's like... Sad. We're done with bread. Yeah. We've moved. We've evolved. We'll come here in five years and they'll just be like... They'll be putting that all together and then whacking it in the deep fryer and then putting that putting another deep fried croissant sandwich <laughs> just becomes the crust of the sandwich. It just it just goes on and on and on. Uh, the other thing that's changed since the last time I visited, which was about five years ago, 
is that it stinks of marijuana oh everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, this town reeks of weed. Yeah. That was the first thing that I noticed walking around. Yeah. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I smell weed fairly regularly in Berlin, but mm. it was a fucking onslaught of mm. deep weedy wafts. It's, it's weedy wafts everywhere. I don't, it's, it's like it's coming out of the sewer sometimes. You're like, where's... Like, and the, the other day I was on... I was kayaking on the Hudson, which I don't recommend, by the way. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and I could smell wheat, and I was like, well, "How can I smell it out here? What's going on?" It's just coming up from the depths. But yeah, they they basically legalized it after the last election, uh, or certainly decriminalized it. I don't think. Well, they, they were selling. And this is we were in Washington uh, Square, Washington Square Park. We were yeah. in Washington Square Park yesterday, and people were just selling. I, I wasn't sure if it's like one of those things where they're selling like CBD oiled, it looked like real weed. Mm. And they had jars of pre-rolled blunts. And yeah. it just looked like people were selling weed in openly as the cops walked Just around. in little plastic cups. There were this just pre-rolled blunts. Yeah. And the cops were there. And there was another guy, a very kind of uh, muscular man sitting at the fountain yeah. who was just calling out to people saying, Free THC popsicles. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to imagine that he's a kind of idiot scion of a rich family. And he <laughs> says to his dad, I've got a new business idea. I'm going to give away free THC popsicles. And then when people are hooked, I'll start charging them from the THC popsicles. Um, yeah, it's everywhere here. And uh, um, yeah, it's I, I don't know how people... Uh, I was I was saying to you yesterday. I don't know, quite know because there were people there at Washington Square Park selling their wares. Yeah, who were just smoking away. Yeah, and I'm not somebody who's able to smoke and then uh, conduct business <laughs> yourself. <laughs> uh, they must be fairly and fairly accustomed to it. Well, you assume there's loads of people that are like you say. You smell it so regularly that mm. people must be going on with some kind of professional endeavor as mm. they also just like smoke weed, mm. um, which, yeah, always surprised me. And we were saying it's the kind of, it's the Wiz Khalifa approach to life yeah, where you can just be completely baked and it doesn't seem to affect your- just chills you out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Your general faculty seem to still carry on. Yeah. Whereas- yeah, it just sends me into a kind of pit of anxiety <laughs> yeah. and yeah. terror. Rather than feeling like the guy in Inception who wakes up and feels and has experienced in two hours about 5,000 years. That's yeah. that's kind of a, a more common experience. But, uh, yeah, people here love it. and We love, them, we love you for it, And we York. love you for it, New We York. love your cronuts. <laughs> we love your weed. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to mention uh, is that I had a moment at the wedding, which you may recall. Yeah. I was best man. Yes. And uh, I was very grateful for that privilege. And the wedding was at, uh, in Prospect Park on a, on a lake. Yes. And we were standing out. The ceremony was actually kind of on this little wooden boardwalk, I guess, next yeah. to the lake. And uh, I 
was paranoid about losing the rings because Classic. I have a long history of losing things. and uh, Losing things with a tremendous amount of both financial and sentimental value <laughs> to my family. Yeah, that's right. And I thought like that would just be too classic that I would somehow misplace the ring. So I was really paranoid. I made Jacinta uh, put them in a purse mm. until right before the ceremony. And then I said, okay, let's, you can give them to me, but I'll, we'll put them in this box. Yeah. And, uh, and that way, like I won't just have loose rings in my pocket <laughs> where they'll, some, they'll somehow like find their way into the lining of my jacket or something. <laughs> and, and, and so I was carrying this box down the steps and I, and then I had to sort of stand there while the ceremony, which took place, uh, was very beautiful. Tom and Vanessa read their vows and then the moment came for me to hand over the rings and I was struggling to get the box open and then the top sort of popped off and went on the f- on the boardwalk yeah. and I just had this split second where I was like, oh, fuck, I've dropped the rings. And, and it was like a two feet from the lake, which was not the kind of lake that you could – like if a ring went in there, no, you would it. never ever find it because it was deep and murky. Murky. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a kind of uh, life flashing before my eyes moment, yeah. uh, and everyone witnessed it, <laughs> and and I could hear like uh, these kind of audible gasps from the crowd, <laughs> and I was just like, it was nice of Tom to entrust you with being the ringman, mm. especially because it's your fault that. Granddad's purple heart is at the bottom of the Yarra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, all, it reminds me of when I lost uh, my dad's cufflinks at the at the Year Twelve formal, which was always like my go to kind of losing something of familial sentimental value because they were a wedding present. Yeah, and then he was like, he actually he literally said to me, "Guard these with your life." <laughs> And then one of them fell off, and so while everyone else was inside enjoying the formal, I was in rooting around in the back of this limousine trying to find my dad's cufflink. It was pretty fucked up. You did the speech at the wedding. I did, yeah, uh, which was a lot of fun. There was a couple of toasts, and then I gave a speech. And that was great. Everybody loved it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I loved it. I loved giving it, and I loved that. I loved being introduced by someone with an American accent. It made yes. me feel like it was a, it was like I was a proper celebrity because the DJ, the wedding DJ was like, all right, coming up next, <laughs> give it up for John Maloney. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's so, very, I wish that happened so every time I've spoken publicly. running out onto the court for <laughs> yeah, the Chicago. Number 46, John Maloney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's always a nice, I mean, it's a lovely thing to be able to do. Uh, And, you know, it's one of those things where you try and combine a little bit of good natured ribbing with some genuine, uh, genuine feeling. You've got to find that line. Mm, That's right. A sweet spot where it's not too weak but yeah. not too harsh yeah 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 and then we had and then i i was kind of staying on the uh on the sober side before my speech and yeah. then uh was able to let loose afterwards there was a bit of dancing we went out again after the wedding and we ended up having mcdonald's at three thirty in the morning yeah uh, which i think is better than australian mcdonald's but i was pretty starving and drunk by that time so who knows
Another thing that I notice when I'm here, John, is mm-hmm. that New Yorkers love having very personal conversations on the phone very loudly. <laughs> they don't give a shit that you hear them. So you'll just be walking around Manhattan mm. and there'll just be someone on the phone on like the other end of the phone. Yeah. Just just like oh, it's often uh, I think like partners sort of having a, a dispute or something like that. Yeah. Just be someone saying, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> that, that, there's nothing wrong with that restaurant. We go there all the time. What are you complaining for? <laughs> I made the reservation. That's where we're going. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Just that. I'm doing everything I can here. Hey, I'm doing everything I can. Hey, I'm out here working every fucking day. Yeah. Why are you going to ride my ass for? It's <laughs> Just that on the street. Yeah. I think it's something about the size of the city just makes everyone feel quite anonymous and then they feel as though they can just let it all hang out in yeah. public. Fuck you looking at, buddy. <laughs> there was a guy there was a guy at the Mets game who was sitting next to me and uh, and I wasn't sure and he was very, very it was like a diehard Mets fan and I wasn't sure whether I wanted the Mets to win or lose when I saw him because <laughs> like because I was like on the on the plus side of the Mets lose, he will be disappointed, and he seems like a very obnoxious man. Because uh, he just kept shouting things like, "Come on, what the fuck are you doing?" And then there was like there was a Marlins player who who got sent off after you know being struck out, and he's going, "Get into the dugout, you fucking piece of shit!" And I was like, "He's just playing baseball." Like, what? He? And then. And he had this. He had his like. I think he was the uncle of the of this family group, and the kids uh, were kind of. Um, this kid came back from the bathroom at one point, and he said to him, and he said to him, "Where have you been?" And the kid was like, "You're not my dad," and uh, giving him a bit of lip. And he goes, "I am your dad on Tuesdays." And I was like, "I wonder what that means. I am your dad on Tuesdays. What's the arrangement there?" And then. And then, and then it got to the tenth inning, so it was like the you know this kind of cliff edge, cliffhanger end of the game period, and two of the kids wanted to go to the toilet, and and he was like, and he was saying, "Where are you going?" And the kid was like, "Just just going to the bathroom." And he goes, "No, you're not, not right now." And it was it was very intense. So I was kind of rooting for the Mets to lose because I knew that that would disappoint him, but also. I knew that his family would not have a very fun evening with him if, if they lost, uh, but fortunately they came through. Um, but yeah, that was an example of somebody who was just like, "Why don't you feel embarrassed to be talking that way next to people?" But he's just, she's got that New York spirit. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this special New York City catch-up episode of Don't Praise the Machine, episode number 67. I want to say a big thank you to Tom and Vanessa for having me at their wedding. I want to say hi to all the brand-new friends that I made, mm. some of the older friends I haven't seen for a few years, like Patrick Koo, Mr. Jerome. Had a great time. Lovely seeing John's parents again, Peter yeah. and Celia. Lovely seeing your brother, 
Dargle, <laughs> who I haven't seen for many years. Yeah. John, and I saw Dargle. I got to give him a lot of special hugs. Was he a kid last time you saw him? He was. He yeah. was boy. I said, this is the first time I've seen you as a man. Yeah. Last time I saw now you as a doctor. boy. Now he's going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. He said he's going to... He said he's going to be a psych. He wants to be a psychman later. Mm. And he said that, or I said, when can I have you as my GP? And he said, well, I'm going to be a psychman eventually. And he said, so if you could just hold off on having a psychotic episode until Mm. I'm finished with that, then I'll take care of you. Yeah, as soon as he gets his specialty, I'm going to be experimenting with all the psychotropic (laughs) drugs, knowing that (laughs) if the shit hits the fan, he'll he'll know how to ride it. And that's been a very special New York episode. Mm. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 67 of Don't Praise the Machine live from downtown Manhattan with myself, Alexander Holland, and my number one analog man sat right across from me. I can touch him anytime I like right now. It's number one pod, pod pirate. Shank Polanka. Shank Polanka. Would you please welcome to Madison Square Garden <laughs> your Shank Polanka? <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. We'll be back sitting virtually across from each other next week for episode number 68. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week at the podcast.